Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast. As always, I am honored to be your host coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today, we have Jeremy Taylor, Vice President Sales and Marketing at DNO Produce based in Columbus, Ohio. So Jeremy and I met on LinkedIn through another industry colleague, Brent Aaronwert. Now, Jeremy and I are going to talk about the impacts of COVID-19 on their business in Columbus, Ohio, as well as the fresh cut business. We talk a little bit of pineapple business, but we also talk about some of the other commodities that are not thriving in today's market, as well as some opportunities that DNO Produce is doing with home deliveries. So let's get Jeremy on the line. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for coming on the line today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. You know, so Jeremy is from DNO Produce all the way from Columbus, Ohio. And before he tells you kind of who they are and what they do, Jeremy and I met through our social networking, I would say, connections online, right? The old online meeting, right, Jeremy? <laughs> That's yes, the forbidden. Yeah. But we met on LinkedIn through a mutual uh, friend of ours, which was Brent Aaronwert. And I think that's what's cool about today, not just in the COVID-19 crisis, but we were able to connect with people that we never thought we could connect with in other states and other countries uh, through platforms like LinkedIn, wouldn't you say? I think it's great. Yeah, I'm, I mean, a lot of new people, surprisingly, uh, during this time. Yeah, so if you don't know, uh, our listeners might not know who DNO Otis is. I didn't know, uh, I would say, pre-COVID-19. So could you give us a little overview of kind of who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, uh, my name is again, Jeremy. Uh, I'm our vice president of sales and marketing here at DNO Produce. Uh, DNO is uh, short for DeNovo, which is the family uh, owner of our business. Uh, we're a fresh cut processor, uh, repacker, and wholesale distributor out of Columbus, Ohio. We service most of the Great Lakes uh, uh, in Midwest area, um, so we, we get out uh, quite a bit. Um, about 70% of our business is fresh cut processing. We do a lot of what you would call portion packed uh, for schools, meal kits, ready to eat, um, grab and go items and things like that. Um, we do a, a large portion of retail business, grab and go fruit cups and things like that. And then on our wholesale side, we're servicing mostly uh, food service broadliners and wholesale distributors uh, in that area. Um, we've got about uh, 200 folks that work for us um, between fresh cut processing, uh, drivers, warehouse, things like that. Um, yeah, and I think we started right around 1989 and kind of evolved and changed our business up quite a bit over the last few years to kind of keep meeting demand. Um, but that's a pretty quick uh, overview of us for the last, you know, what we do. No, that's awesome, man. I appreciate it. And I was looking at the website before getting on. I love the website. You talk about food safety. You talk about your wholesale. You talk about your um, uh, your fresh cut processing. And that's, that's an interesting topic right now because if you've seen, I've talked about it too on other podcasts, that the pineapple industry is losing money right now. I mean, millions of dollars a week um, because of the retail demand can't keep up with it. And processors take a lot of pineapples. They cut a lot of pineapples for a lot of their programs. Has your production seen a slowdown in any one commodity? We're not focusing on pineapples. Or that was just a relevant uh, product. But have you seen that in the fresh cut world? How is, your, how is that segment kind of going, man? 
Uh, yeah, we've definitely seen a slowdown in certain commodities like pineapple, um, watermelon, anything that's like um, that has a like really perishable shelf life once cut. And pineapple and watermelon and cantaloupe might be some of the <laughs> the worst abusers of that. But our fresh cut process actually went the other way. So a lot of them are hearty items like carrots, um, potatoes, um, apple slices, things like that are actually going the other way. They've really, really improved. Um, our food service sales that normally service the broadliners, the U.S. foods, the Cisco's, the produce wholesalers of the world uh, have, have really just almost come non-existent. But, um, you know, some other pieces of our business have really continued to grow, like school lunch, surprisingly. Uh, we're doing a lot of, you know, grab-and-go, two-ounce, three-ounce little baggies for schools, uh, and we're, that's continuing to grow. It's actually keeping us really busy. But as far as commodity goes, uh, I can't remember the last uh, load of pineapples I bought. Oh man, and that and that stinks. Brutal, brutal, it is. I mean, because that stinks because supply and demand, right? There was so much demand for the supply, so a lot of certain commodities were shipped in. And did you notice? I know you're probably the same uh, friends as mine on LinkedIn because that's how we connected. But Shay Myers has been a kind of a platform with all this. Um, he's been on all platforms talking about the dumpings of uh, you know onions and now potatoes are being dumped and all these products are being dumped. And people are like, wait a minute, why can't anybody keep up with this? Well, people didn't realize that you and me aren't going to the store buying 10-pound bags of onions, right? I mean, that was food service product. A lot of that was put into the, the restaurants when they're cooking you know, a lot of meals for thousands of people a day. So it's, um, yeah, it's getting crazy, right? Um, and I think that it's going to get better sooner, sooner or later, right? It, it should um, as we start to open a lot of things back up. But it is crazy how a lot of people have had to pivot and move. And I noticed that's because we're friends with a lot of people. Brent Aaron, we're out of Houston, has this box program that I've kind of been following. Well, you guys also have this box program as well. And you're servicing the local community. And you're trying to service a broader range for that. Can you talk about that a little bit, man? Because that's kind of cool as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, uh, we were more fortunate than most, I think, as things kind of changed. And like anyone, there's a drop in business to where we were, we were just at, but we weren't as affected as heavy I guess some of the other wholesalers and broadliners uh, were as we get kind of a nice, we got a little bit of a diversification of our business. But uh, what I kept finding was that, um, you know, I really, a lot of my friends, uh, a lot of community members, you know, weren't, weren't going to the store, couldn't find what they could get online. Um, Amazon and Instacart, these guys were eight to nine to ten days behind uh, on, on shipping product to homes. And, and at the time, restaurants weren't doing all the takeout deals they were doing. Uh, so I just had this kind of, you know, weird idea. I think it arrived on the same time that a lot of guys like Brent and other people were doing that, hey, maybe we should just pack up, you know. I have labor. I have food safety. I have access to product. Uh, what would, you know fresh produce boxes to home look like um and really the first time we did it i launched it uh after like a glass or two of wine at my dinner table uh built a website in like half an hour 45 minutes put it online and we got like 60 signups before the morning the next morning uh and it just kind of taken off from there and now we're doing you know you know hundreds of boxes each week uh all over the community um that are just ready to go these cool insulated little bags we're utilizing our drivers utilizing our people uh moving through inventory uh this was actually the first week where i was excited to actually be able to buy from my former vendors for my produce bags right like i hadn't given these guys as, as much business as i previously had so it's kind of cool to go back to them and go hey i can actually buy 
pallets of product to help fill up our little bags. Uh, but it's, it's really done well. And uh, we've decided to take a portion of all the proceeds that we get in as well. They kind of filter back into our community, do donations to food banks, donations to, uh, you know, communities that are affected with whole school shutdowns and stuff. Man, that's fantastic. And a lot of times it's hard to do these little custom projects too, wouldn't you say? It's it's nearly impossible. <laughs> yeah, like uh, you, you imagine you work with like big organizations and it's like, you know, there's a lot of a lot of different cogs, a lot of different uh, details that need to take place for you to launch stuff like this. Uh, but I feel very fortunate and lucky that um, we have a team that's pretty nimble. I think that um, we'll probably talk more about that. But the companies that are going to continue to find success or survive through all this are going to be the ones who are incredibly nimble, try new things, um, very fearless. Um, so my team kind of just said, no, Jeremy, if you can find this demand, we'll figure out a way to do it. And uh, we've been really lucky about that. Yeah, and I think, uh, how are you guys doing the delivery of the product? Um, so for the first few weeks, uh, you know, uh, I played a big role. You know, I, I was in the van and stuff doing the first like week to kind of learn how it was. But now we're utilizing uh, a lot of our own employees getting stuff out every single weekend. Uh, I've seen some people have been doing like uh, drive through farmers markets with their box trucks. I've seen people uh, utilize things like Grubhub and Uber drivers. Uh, but right now we're able to handle everything with um, employees looking that we currently have looking for more hours. Yeah, and I think that there's going to be a logistics problem, like I told Brent in this whole deal, that I think that if we want to sustain this model with uh, home deliveries, then we probably need to get someone you know involved like the Uber Eats because I told someone the other day, if you go on Uber Eats um, and type in fresh produce, they don't have anything on there yet. They're still restaurants. Now, they might be in the works with a few people doing that, um, but I know Uber Eats is with Grubhub and you know all those things work together. But think about it like this. If you were to get 15 to 20 people, I'm in Tampa. I got the wholesale market in Tampa. You're in Columbus. Brent's in Houston. Now you find one in Seattle. You find one in LA. You get 15 of the top countries. And if you had someone like Uber Eats or you know if Lyft got into it to be that driver, you would one make the profit a normal profit and then they would make their profit. It wouldn't increase the cost of produce. And the consumer would still get a better cost than actually having to drive to the retail store to get their produce. I mean, I think, yep. right? I think too. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing that's that's tough about the current uh, like model that I'm seeing from everyone is that everyone is doing it like all on one day, all on Saturday or all on Sunday, like we're doing. Uh, we we're looking to expand the different delivery days and how we kind of service. But so much of uh, how people shop and buy now is really on demand and just in time like right now um and i think that's going to be a current struggle for the current produce companies if they're not able to kind of adapt and evolve because you know um people usually don't want to sign up all week and then get deliveries on saturday um although it's it's servicing a huge need right now i think to really take it to the next level people are going to want to order at tuesday at 3 p.m and get it tuesday at 5 p.m that, that uh, I agree and that, with. And that's, that's, that's going to be the biggest change. I think that um, I think we're going to be able to service a pretty big community of guys who just want to serve, want to, want to help out the produce wholesalers, help out um, their communities and get access to fresh produce. But I think that the, the big step will be how do you manage on-demand ordering. I agree. And, and then again, you got companies like Amazon and Whole Foods that have tried to 
tried to do that, but again, they're so far behind in you know the order log, they're not able to do it. And I agree, someone's going to be able to accomplish this, um, but again, no one wants to sit and drive box trucks and, and big vans um, down down uh, regular residential streets all the time. So there's going to be something that comes that needs to come out of this, and I believe if we unite, there's going to be a bunch of different partners that can get together. Because again, just like you, you're in Columbus. Your goal is not to start a logistics company and start branching out to all 50 states. You know, maybe it is, but I just believe that if you partnered with the different wholesalers around, like what you like what you have there, and got it, and then built this network out, man, it could be powerful. You could be able to deliver to all these. You know, we get the order on Tuesday at 6 a.m. It gets packed up by noon. Trucks go out by noon. And it's delivered. You know, with by six o'clock with 15 different drivers. And you know what I mean? I mean, I could I could totally see the vision of it happening. And getting fresh produce because that's really what what it's about is getting a good experience with your produce, right? Yeah, so much of uh, the produce industry, uh, like buyers and sellers, and me too, it's like an insider's club, you know, who we sell to um, and and how we buy product and things like that. Um, I think it's going to really force produce companies to go meet uh, customers where they're living, which is online, and where they're currently buying. That's just not something that currently happens. I mean, like, I sell my fair share of online suppliers of meal kits and guys like Amazon and stuff. But uh, I think it's really going to force a lot of uh, produce wholesalers or fresh cut suppliers to really find out where their their customers is at, right? And I think they're going to do a lot more micro sales than, you know, I like shipping out full loads of trailer loads of product just like anybody else i just don't know that like uh i I just don't know like how it's going to affect my business a year from now outside of i just know that how people buy their groceries and buy their fresh products and how restaurants buy are going to be totally different uh and i'm just trying to be there to be able to support it when that happens i agree and you having a warehouse is probably going to help out as well because a lot of these restaurants (laughs) I mean, even storing products, right? And they're not going to come back uh, all at once and go, hey, get me everything, right? They're probably going to have just-in-time inventory a little bit worse now. Starting out, I don't think they're going to come and say, give me all the inventory because, one, there's an uncertainty of how many people are going to start going out and, I would say, dining, dining in again. We're getting used to a norm of dining out and actually kind of being with the family all the time than going out and being with social, you know, socially with everybody, right? So, I mean, I think buying and trends are going to change throughout this. A lot of them will stay the same, right? And but again, some will change over this. So again, I agree with you. What's what's the next step? So, what are you guys doing over there? The next thirty days? I mean, what's yeah? What's your biggest outcome right now? What you guys are planning for the next thirty days? Anything that? Uh, any opportunities to look forward to anything you guys are working on or got in the mix that you're going to be launching? Uh, as far as like, I mean, uh, an article just came out, uh, a few, about a week or two ago that our, uh, C store convenience store items, uh, were kind of growing and we're doing a lot more things like parfaits, grab and go cups, uh, Unfortunately, the C-Store space is pretty brutal right now as far as, like, you know, people aren't going to convenience stores and work crews aren't getting breakfast there and grabbing gas and things like that. So it's unfortunately kind of a big, like, you know, punch in the face on that type of stuff. But we are really fortunate because a lot of the items we do are portion-packed, ready-to-eat, like two-ounce apple slices, three-ounce baby carrots, three-ounce orange wedges for schools and meal kits is that uh, – 
because people are not going to work and there are not people in enough labor to get there, we're seeing a huge influx of orders and needs for products that are ready to eat, washed, cut up in portion pack sizes. So as far as like something that's brand new that's on the cusp, no, but we are seeing a, brand, a whole new wave of customer that's coming out there that's buying the products that I've been, you know, producing for schools and meal kits for 10 years. It's, uh, you know, there are restaurants buying this stuff now. There are food banks and there are commissaries that are packing up meals for the very first time. And it's all really brand new for them and for us on kind of how they manage this. It's actually it's really exciting, uh, which is great, but um, it, it's definitely a, uh, a hurdle for all of us to help guide them through, uh, you know, how we process, you know, 90,000 units of honeydew chunks. You know, of, of what that looks like when you're packing up meals and stuff like that, because people just aren't eating the same way and probably won't eat the same way for, you know, the foreseeable future. So we're just trying to, you know, offer the expertise and offer the um, the, the know-how of, of how to get these products into your hands. So uh, there are new people buying products that we've always done uh, for the very first time, and it's, uh, it's really exciting for us. So when you guys do the home delivery, do you guys include the parfaits and any of those, um, I would say, already made prep meals too as well or just the fresh fruit? Man, you're right. We don't do anything um, right now um, as far as like including fresh cut products in the bag, but we're excited to do that over the next few weeks. It's like I think it's actually a pretty unique qualifier is that, hey, in this 25-pound bag that may have bananas, kale, an onion, you know, uh, some apples, whatever, can also have uh, one-pound bags of cleaned cubed butternut squash and can have, you know, ready-to-eat pineapple. <laughs> maybe, I can, maybe I can buy a few boxes from you. Uh, you know, as far as how we cut up, I think it's a huge, unique qualifier that we can continue to kind of grow the program and expand the items offered. Uh, right now, we're just trying to keep up with demand um on uh, the bulk items and fresh cuts already pretty busy but we're excited to slowly start rolling out um you know some of these fresh cut items but like you mentioned before uh you know it's all if it turns all on demand it's really easy to pack up you know 25 wholesale items that may have sitting in the cooler it's really difficult to add on you know fresh cut items that are already cut washed into bags um it creates a huge operational hurdle uh but something that we'll probably rise to the occasion on and find a way to do it yeah and that's why i think that there's still a bunch of opportunity there's a lady in uh i think tampa florida she's in the tampa area i don't know exactly where but they call her the salsa queen jeremy salsa queen and she actually delivers salsa to people's doors, like home delivery, she gets like five, six different salsas from all the way, you know, from killing your mouth, burning to, you know, um, <laughs> mild, you, you know, that you could feed your kids. But, you know, she developed this and she's like, my business has grown more than I've ever grown in the past. Everybody's ordering all my salsas and all this all the time. And, and I told her, because, you know, people use different items on their, on their watermelons. They put different spices. They do all these different things. And it was interesting to me because I said, have you ever thought about going to the wholesale markets and having them uh, sell your salsa? And she goes, well, no, I just always do the local farmer's markets. But, I mean, look at that. I mean, so as you're looking at someone with even just salsa, and this lady, she's food-grade salsa. She's got all of her licenses. Not so she's just, you know, delivering salsa. But think about it even like that. Some of these fresh-cut companies, I mean, are not doing that business anymore 
And this this lady in Tampa, Florida, is making her own salsas and delivering just locally to the Tampa Bay area. So um, there's a lot of opportunities, but now it's how do we keep the demand strong and going once the crisis is over and everybody's allowed or you know supposedly allowed to go out and start doing everything again. And that's going to be the interesting thing because I think there are going to be businesses that thrive through this. Like, like I said, yours and even Brent's, like you guys coming up with websites and doing online ordering. You know, if you customize this in the right way, what's the difference between them, you know, going on like the stitch fixes where you can order them custom clothing and you get everybody's ideas. Those programs are working just fine and people are doing them. Why can't this be the time for the produce industry to have this and it work? Because this is a new level of income and a new level of things that we haven't done before. So many micro trends or these like you know under these things rumbling uh, in in the world like meal kits, online ordering, online grocery shopping that maybe not had its full like part of my friends kicking the ass to like really launch it into like the number one way people buy. Uh, this certainly did it for us. Um, you know, people had always kind of like, you know, a lot of consumers tiptoed, at least definitely in the Midwest and stuff around these types of things. It may be more popular on the coast, but a lot of these like small trends that were kind of continually growing and growing and growing have now just, you know, expedited and been, it's going to be a huge player in eight to 10 months. Every fresh produce company is going to have a home delivery box. They're going to have their own custom branding, um, you know. Uh, their brands are going to live beyond the B2B market, you know, outside of just brands that you see uh, in, on Broadwinder shelves. Everyone's going to know the brands that you represent, um, which I think is brand new. Uh, I think that's, that's never been the case. Um, I bet, you know, you wouldn't know who Brothers Produce is or Dino Produce or our brand Fresh Health um, unless you're probably in the produce world. You're in this kind of insider's club. That's no longer going to be the case. I think that Fresh Health and DNO are going to be community terms that people associate with products. Um, it's, it's going to be really fascinating how bigger brands like Driscoll and stuff can, can uh, plan to compete against these regionally relevant companies that now have a great you know demand as well as a great access to the consumers in their backyard. Um, it's going to be exciting, and I'm pumped. I, I hope that. Uh, you know, uh, things keep kind of going this way and we get to kind of compete and, you know, offer cool products for people. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's cool inviting, involving people who maybe have never been involved in, you know, how they buy produce this way to be, you know, ordering bags every weekend. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how in six months when you and I talk again, Pat, that uh, things are haven't really gone this way for every single company. I agree. I mean, obviously, like we said off the mic, there's going to be some companies that are having their hardships. And they might get through it, they might not. Um, but then you got companies like yourself and Brent's and others that are throwing so many darts against the wall, hoping they, you know, hoping that bullseye sticks and this little company or little new revenue stream has started and it develops more. And I agree. I, I, I talked with Brent about a, the co-op model. I think that a co-op model could come back because you want to make sure that you've got produce year-round. And we know that other corporate companies have tried these models. And at times of the year, you just get leafy greens. At times of the year, you just get corn and tomatoes. Like like you said, you, you want to be able to get the mix year round, knowing that that person you're dealing with is customizing your experience for you, right? It's not about just getting an orange or getting a pumpkin or getting a pineapple anymore. We got to create emotional touches with these people so they keep coming back and buying it every time. 
That's why you see these awesome commercials ready for McDonald's and the, all these different, right? Because they're getting brand, the brand technology in your head. So then when you go to buy something, you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll just go to McDonald's or I'll just go to these big companies. You know what I mean? But as we start to change that trend in our industry, people will then go, oh yeah, the Brothers Produce. Yeah, my local. Oh, DNO, boom. And that'll create something bigger than just ourselves too, man. I definitely agree. I've always said that like, uh, or at least I always said, but recently learned that, you know, the brand of what we do is likely worth more than what we actually do, you know, uh, worth more than all the equipment and the trucks and the people and things like that, um, you know. Uh, I always found that the reason that people continue to work with DNO and have continued to choose to work with us, maybe over other people, is that we've just like, we, we've always kind of lived this uh, you know culture and vibe that like we're just big extensions of our customers uh, instead of them being extensions of what we do. Um, that we've just always been kind of really nimble and flexible with our customers and. Like I'd imagine every customer we currently work with has a different experience every single week with how they buy, how they get shipped, what products they buy, uh, which as a business owner, that it makes you want to sound like you're going crazy because you know you want to be able to sell the one, one thing a million times. But because you've been so uh, you know personalized and unique and pr- approach with our customers, it's a lot for us to you know you know be twice the size we were ten years ago, uh, maybe even bigger. Uh, as well as, you know, when things like this happen, we can just kind of all come together and go, okay, well, now it's time to pivot again. This is just like anything else we've done. We've, we've onboarded new customers, tried new things. Now we're going to just meet our customers somewhere else. You know, that's kind of how we've always built, grown our business. It's always come from, hey, our customers are now switching and thinking differently. How do we think like them so that we can offer the products that make sense? Yeah, I agree. And I remember I'm from a family-owned company when I was growing up too. And my dad ran the organization and we would always talk about sales and his sales approach was so different. But compared to what you said, I remember him saying to me all the time, sooner or later, the customer will see it my way. And that will not work in this today, today's world, right? That is just, that's an old school mentality. And look what you said. If that was the case, right, we would not have these customer experiences. Like you said, every single order, every single time it's different. Sometimes it's hard that way, um, but again, if that you know it keeps the customer coming back, creates brand loyalty, that's what we want, right? Yeah, yeah, man. I'm not in the business of uh, disagreeing with your dad, that's your dad, but uh, I would say that uh, I am. That's not worked. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's not worked for us. Uh, I think the only way for our customers to who have an unbelievable amount of choices of where they buy products, um, they're they're you know. Uh, they can really, you know, there may be less produce companies than there were before, maybe 10, 15 years ago, but it's a lot easier for people from Chicago to compete in Columbus and Columbus to compete in Milwaukee than it ever was. So it's just as competitive as it always has been. But if uh, you don't choose to, to meet your customer where they're at, I mean, they won't be your customer for long. Um, you know, it's, it's your job to be as attractive uh, and as, as uh, overwhelming as possible as a supplier. Um, and that's, that's, just, that's just what you do. You just get up every morning, you go out and serve your customers and meet them where they are. If, if you need to bring your customers to you every single time, it's going to be a hard road. It's going to be hard. Um, I think that, um, you know, we, we do a little bit of a nasty stale and fail. I just don't see how if we don't build processes around our people and invite people who you know want to live that culture um how it's ever going to make sense 100 percent, man 
Well, listen, how can we get a hold of DNO if this is their first time listening today and they don't know who DNO is? How do they how do the listeners get a hold of DNO to learn more about you guys and get in contact with your products and services? Hey man, everything's on the website, uh, dnoproduce.com. They can go on, click around as well. Uh, they can find contact us, phone calls, things like that. They can find me on LinkedIn if someone's got one they kind of touch personally. Uh, but yeah, you can find everything you need to do online. Awesome, man. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you getting on the line today from Columbus, Ohio. I'm down here in Tampa, Florida. I mean, we're all doing our thing for the uh, produce and supply chain industry during COVID-19. So again, I thank you for getting on the line today, Jeremy. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.